This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This episode is brought to you by Shady Brook Farms. If you're looking for ways to make mealtime healthier in the new year, make your favorite recipes with turkey from Shady Brook Farms. Take the pressure off, keep it simple and tasty without sacrificing flavor for nutrition. Whether you want a delicious sandwich or a post-workout protein, Shady Brook Farms turkey can do it all. Visit ShadyBrookFarms.com for recipe inspiration and to find retailers near you. Shady Brook Farms, eat what you love. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. and welcome to a very different BRFCS podcast. This month we are celebrating International Women's Day, so for the first time ever, your podcast is brought to you by an all-female panel. In part one, we'll be speaking to Women in Football CEO Jane Purden about the experiences of women working in the game. Part two, we chat to an all-female panel discussing all things Rovers. Part three focuses on our amazing Rovers ladies and we have a special interview with manager Gemma Donnelly. And finally, in part four, the panel discuss female fan experience, the current furore over female pundits and anything else that takes our fancy. You are listening to the only podcast on the internet approved by the New York Rovers. Enjoy and don't forget to check out brfcs.com back to part one where I'm absolutely and utterly thrilled to have the opportunity to interview Women in Football CEO Jane Purden. This interview came about one night when I couldn't sleep and I thought what's a girl to do when she's making a podcast but send a bunch of random emails to people in the hope that they would reply. Women in Football came back straight away and I spoke to a really really lovely volunteer who was a Millwall fan and it was the weekend we were playing them. We chatted away and she said she'd do her best to get somebody to come and talk to me. Within 24 hours Jane, who's the CEO, had replied and said she would be delighted to come and speak to us. I'm so thrilled to welcome Jane to the pod and I thought I'd start with an easy question for her. Women in football, what's it all about? Okay, so well, we, Women in Football started 10 years ago as a network of women working in the game, uh, really to support each other, to support other women working in the game, 
uh, to champion uh, fantastic success stories and ambassadors and, and women achieving in, in their careers in the game, uh, to support uh, and, and call out bad behaviour if we see bad behaviour, um, and to help women uh, with their development and career pathways uh, within football. And that's very much our, our mission statement. Um, although we started 10 years ago, it still kind of stands good for, for what we're about now. So how did you become involved with women in football? Well, I am lucky enough to have worked in football for getting on for 20 years now. Um, my girlhood team was Sunderland. It's still my team. My, my dad took me from the age of seven and I, I became football obsessive. In the 1980s, I played football at a time when it was still quite rare for, for women to do that. And I've always been besotted with this amazing, extraordinary game. And I still am. I can relate to that. <laughs> It'll never leave me. Um, and I, uh, way back, so we're going back to 2001, having qualified as a solicitor and worked as a lawyer for about four or five years, I, uh, I somehow, and I still can't quite believe it, got appointed as club secretary and solicitor for Sunderland. Uh, it's obviously the club of my heart. Um, I was going to say, you're literally living our dream here. Uh, living the dream, living the dream, absolutely. I, I have to say, working in football, you know, it's not all roses and sunshine and glory because my time at Sunderland coincided with a relegation season and that was grim. Yeah. Uh, uh, so football can be difficult sometimes and it's a very emotional business when you're a fan, but also when you're working in it. Uh, but anyway, so I did four years at Sunderland. Uh, then I was uh, uh, kind of contacted by the Premier League to see if I wanted to go and work for them, um, which was a very tough decision. Uh, but uh, it, I, I, in the end, decided that in terms of my career, it was the right thing to do and did 10 years at the Premier League. And it was during that time that I encountered women in football. I was a member uh, for many years. Uh, I attended their events. I spoke at one or two of their events. Um, I then went on from the Premier League and, and spent some years working for UK Sport, so outside football, but seeing another side of sport because UK oh. Sport works with the British Olympic and Paralympic programmes. So that was really interesting to kind of compare and contrast the two worlds. Um, and then this opportunity came up and I thought, yeah, I'm going to go for that. That sounds great. And it is. <laughs> So what is what is the membership makeup of, of women in football? Who can who can be part of it? Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so anyone can join. Um, it's free. Uh, there's an application uh, form on our website. So if anyone's interested, do have a look. It's made up of a variety of people. We have a lot of women working in the game, and of course, the roles that women do in football now are huge and various. Um, they include people working in clubs, in all roles at clubs, people working for the FA, for the Football League, uh, for the Premier League, people working in broadcasting media, for agencies, etc., etc. We absolutely welcome applications from men because we know a lot of men totally support what we're about and, and what we're trying to do. Uh, we welcome applications from women or, who perhaps don't work in the game but want to work in the game and, and get involved in, in our network. Uh, so, so yeah, we're very, we're very uh, inclusive with with our membership. It basically, if you support what we're about, uh, and uh, you you have an interest in women working in football, get in touch. 
my application is already in. Thank you. I'm pleased to hear it. I feel like I should say that. Mine's already been submitted. Um, so what what are you hearing are the barriers for women working in the game? What what are women's experiences within, as you say, our beloved game and something we yes. adore, but not always the easiest thing as a woman in football? Well, I think that experiences can be mixed. And I've got to be honest, I've had nothing but good experience. And I'm always very clear about that. Uh, when I joined Sunderland, my chairman, uh, Bob Murray, Sir Bob Murray, said to me the, the day I joined, he said, I like having women in the organisation. I like having them on the board. I like having them in my management team. They bring something different to it. And it was a very affirming statement of yeah. the benefits of, of a diverse workforce and management team. Um, I have encountered sexism, but it hasn't been typical of my experience working in the game. Other women don't have it so easy, uh, or their journey hasn't been as easy, and they've encountered some real problems uh, and had some real kind of career-limiting experiences. So, so I think it's a mixed story, and I, and I think while I'm always careful to, to, to credit football, to say, you know, I've my personal experience, it's not institutionally sexist and people shouldn't be put off by thinking that it is as a, as a world to work in. There is absolutely no doubt that there's more work to be done and that we, uh, women in football, must continue to call out sexist behaviour if we see it um, and if it's brought to our attention. But having said that, I think that the football industry as a whole, like, like the rest of British society, wants to be progressive on this question it's a talent-based industry on the pitch and off the pitch and it wants the best talent whether the talent is black white male female gay straight whatever one thing in terms of what puts women off becoming involved uh, i think there's a perception issue uh, we've done some research recently working with Barclays and Ipsos Murray where we talked to several focus groups and one of them was uh, a, a group of young women who were super fans of the game. So the season ticket holders at their local club adored football, like you and me, Lindsay, you know, we just <laughs> lived and breathed it. Yeah. Um, and they said, they didn't work in the game, they were ladies at the start of their career, and they said, oh, I just didn't think a career for football was, was for me. I thought you had to have played the game to, uh, to, to work in it, and, and I promise you, you don't. It's, and this a, is such an interesting point, because how yeah. much are we hearing at the moment that these women haven't played at the highest level? They haven't but actually the game is the game and if you love the game and you learn the game how can you not comment on the game yeah, exactly. i consider my opinion as valid as, of course. as anybody else of is. course absolutely absolutely uh, of course it is uh, you know again my own experience all the long years of being a fan uh, i've met many supporters of course male and female and um, it's some of them my very good friends and i know that there are the knowledgeable ones amongst them uh, you know, some of the men, some of the women, because they've yeah. watched this week in, week out for years, and they know what they're looking at. Absolutely, um, and I think that's but, such a positive message that yeah. you know we're we're not saying it's everybody, and you know our own personal experiences are actually incredibly positive. But as you say, it's a responsibility for us all to yes. to challenge the negative. Yes. when we hear it and, and we can't ignore that that does exist and, and it's very prominent at the moment unfortunately with some of the conversations that, that are happening around kind of female pundits and, and those sorts of things it's it's a hot topic at the moment yes it is it is uh, because the pundits and, and, and those pundits you know Alex Scott and Rachel I mean 
Oh, Rachel, the other day when she said my gender isn't my qualification, I wanted to kiss my TV screen. I was so proud, so proud of a woman who I'd I'd never met, obviously knew her career, but just wanted to scream like, yes, you've just said what we're all thinking. Do you know, I watched the uh, um, Brighton um, game that she commented on, Brighton Burnley game, um, in in a room with some quite senior people in the football industry. I won't say quite where I was or who I was with, but, but there's a room of about 50 people and uh, about 80% male. And when she, I don't know if you watched it, yes, but when she went into that analysis of goalkeeping, do you remember asking yes. that? Yep. The room was spellbound, just spellbound. And I thought, you know, that's a level of expert commentary that is kind of new. We haven't quite had a voice like that. She was just fantastic. And I think, you know, the acknowledgement from kind of McManaman and Hargreaves that next to her, Rob, she has just said something here that we couldn't say. We've played at the highest level. We've played for our country. We've played in Europe. But we don't understand goalkeeping. So actually, listen to what she's got to say. That was so reaffirming to kind of hear them say, I'm not bothered if she's a man or a woman. What I am bothered about is this is just really good analysis. And that's that's all we want to hear. We just want to to hear and to learn. I'm I'm not bothered whose mouth it's coming out of. And I think this proves my point that football is a talent-based industry. It wants the best talent. In any role, the person is best at that job. Um, And yes, there are barriers to stop the the football workforce being 50-50, because it's not yet. That's obvious, and it's going to take us some time to get there yet. But I think that that when we look at those pundits, we are seeing that. Uh, They are so able, uh, so expert, and and on merit, they... Absolutely slams the argument is one. They deserve their place on our screen. We're seeing Alex and Rachel and people like that. What yeah. other positive stories are we hearing from, from women working in football? Who who do we want to be looking out for? Are we seeing an increase in women within the game? Obviously, it's not balanced yet, but I imagine there are lots of positives going on we're not hearing. Yeah, so I think in my 20 years in the game, including three, was working in a different bit of sport, but... I've definitely seen changes, definitely. Um, I think there was a season, I think it was 2014-15. It'd be great if some stato could check for me. <laughs> We've got many. <laughs> Someone will check for you that's listening. I'm um, so let me try and get this list right. But there, there were six Premier League clubs, and I'm going to try and list them all if I remember them correctly. They were, at that time, in that season, Stoke, Sunderland, Norwich, West Ham, Southampton and Leicester, six clubs, and all those clubs have something in common. Do you know what it is? I Pause don't. there while your listeners have a thing. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Someone will know. Someone will be tweeting me for my poor knowledge. Okay, so those clubs at that time all had either a female owner or a female CEO. Wow. That's and something I, I wouldn't have guessed. Even I, with the I, I, of our conversation, I wouldn't have guessed that. I, I often give that stuff out to people, and everybody says what you said. They go, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and that was six clubs. So that's nearly a third of the Premier League. Now, that changes because clubs get bought and sold. They get relegated, promoted, CEOs move on, whatever. Um, but even if we look now, we've got uh, three female CEOs in the Premier League, uh, Everton, Leicester, and West Ham. Um so it's changing, and, and it's not enough. You know, again, if, if football is going to look like the human race, that should be 10. 
Um, but it's, it, it'll come, it'll happen as more women enter the game, uh, grow their experience and skills over their careers so they can aim for the, the highest positions. We saw a situation just before Christmas where the new Premier League CEO was announced. She was a woman now. She's decided for her own reasons to not to pursue that opportunity. Um, but again, that felt like a, a real watershed moment that a vigorous yeah. selection process was. could it produce. It was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that there's, you know, I was talking to, uh, I've been talking to a couple of clubs recently and one was telling me about their, an academy physio who's a woman. Um, another one was telling me about sports scientist who's a woman. And again, these are roles, when I started, you wouldn't have seen that. Uh, you wouldn't have seen women in those kind of tracksuit roles, uh, as it were. Um, so it's happening and it's coming. Um, I think that there's now a lot of um, emphasis on pursuing professional qualifications. There's a lot of universities offering degrees at either undergraduate or postgraduate level on the business and management of sport and football. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't always see enough women on those. So if any of your listeners are, 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 are thinking about that as an education opportunity, do it. <laughs> we okay. need you. Your game needs you. And don't be put off by the fact you're a woman. And I think that's a really, a really, really positive message. I mean, we have a lot of female fans at Rovers, a lot of young girls who are dedicated to the club and I'm sure would want to would want to pursue a career in football, but I think for the world part of it is understanding the barriers that, that stops them doing that. So, I mean, do we think that the, the sort of increase in the exposure of the female game is also going to help with women working in football? I mean, the love for the Lionesses is huge at the moment. Yeah. We've got a World yeah. Cup coming up. Yeah. Are, are yeah. we going to, in 20 years, see people who have been inspired by this current bunch working yeah. within the game, do we think? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Shout out to Scotland as well. First yes. World Cup qualification. I'm Fabulous. So, so, so excited. I'm proud of Scottish parents. So, there you go. Um, <laughs> yes, it's, it's beyond, beyond exciting. It may be my only opportunity to see Scotland in a competitive tournament. So <laughs> I will be trying to get to France. But I just think that's so, it's so positive and it's going to open so many doors. It excites me as to where we may be in a few years of people inspired by these amazing women. I think I mean, one of the um, things that struck me very much when I worked at UK Sport, if I can just compare for a moment the British Olympic programmes. Oh, please so do. If, if you think for a moment about British cycling and, and think about the, the velodrome at the Olympic Games in Rio in 2016, in London in 2012, going back further for those of us who can remember it, and of course we all know that the British cycling is amazing at producing Olympic gold medal winners for Team GB. And I don't think the British public, when it looks at those, our amazing male cyclists and our amazing female cyclists, world beating, gold medal winning, draws a distinction between them. No. I think they just, they just see superbly athletes. And I have no doubt that that's where the elite end of football, the national team, is heading. I think, that, and again, this is a revolution. This is this is something that that I've seen in in my lifetime, the past sort of ten to to twenty years. That the, the and it's wonderful to see the England women's team and the Scotland women's team uh, and the other national teams um, uh, grow in public awareness, recognition, and appreciation. And I'm hoping I'm touching every bit of wood that I've got around me. You probably hear me banging on the I table. I can. Right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping both England and Scotland have a brilliant World Cup because I can actually see that if they do, it might it could set the country alight, just as the men did last summer. And wouldn't that be amazing? And you're absolutely right, Lindsay. If that happens, then we've broken through. It's now normal. It's now normal. And I think for me, it's then translating the people that are watching it on the TV to to get them to go to ground yes. to watch yes. the club level game yes. because I don't think we're quite there yet with that. No, we're not. I had, yeah. I had the pleasure of going to watch Rovers Ladies last week. It was my first Rovers Ladies game. So I travel all over the country for the men, never been to watch the ladies. It was brilliant. I loved it. I forgot I was watching women, but there were 250 people there. Yeah. And that's, that's the best attendance. The ladies get the best attendance in the league. But I'm not seeing that translating. I'm sure no. most of my friends can name four, five, six England internationals, yeah. but have never gone down to watch yeah. our ladies. Yeah. who are actually really, really good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It, it, so I think I think there is something about it, it's got to start with the national team to really yeah. capture people's imagination and attention. It doesn't have to start there. Some people do kind of go to women's game, whether by design or accident. And, and as you say, their experience is like, wow, I didn't know it could be this good. Um, the FA, in credit to them, have really backed um, women's football. They put a lot of money into it. They put a, 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 a league structure in place. They've committed to and support the first fully professional league, I think, in the world. I think in the world. Um, but it's not yet translating into crowds of 10,000 plus. Will it happen? I think it might. I, I think key to this, there are other partners who are key to this. I think the clubs are, and credit to Blackburn Rovers for, for backing their women's team. I think broadcasters are because they help spread the literally the the, the, the footage that of, of how good women's football can be um, and our broadcasters do, do an okay job on that um, and I think commercial partners can help as well um, uh, because an enlightened commercial partner I think would see an enlightened company would see that, that women's football has its own kind of unique if I can use the word brand values which are slightly different from the men's there's still a kind of innocence, freshness, cleanness about about it. And I love men's football. I love men, male professional football, and I can watch it all day long. So I'm not I'm not knocking it by any means. But women's football feels a bit different. Um, and I think you know, we, I think that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a kind of perfect storm of FA FA support. Tick, we've got that broadcaster support, commercial interest media coverage and I, and I think that will start to to awaken this a bit more I bet you if Blackman Rose's ladies did really well and got to a cup final you'd take two three thousand yeah absolutely and, and I think you know it was interesting again when they play at Ewood they have one match a season at Ewood that's always yeah. got a lot higher attendance um, yeah. We're hoping to be promoted this season, and that will take us up to kind of semi-professional level. Again, the vibe is then that we may get a few more through the door. But I think for me, you hit the nail on the head there around that innocence. It reminded me of the football that my dad used to talk to me about, yeah. where you were close to the touch right. I could hear yeah. what the women were saying to yeah. each other. They stopped at the end to interact with fans and to talk yeah. to people and to take pictures. I'd never get that on a match day. Of course. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, my message to the people who said, you know, what was it like was take your sons, your daughters, your nieces, your nephews, because they will fall in love with it because they have that access that, that we just don't get with the men's game for 
for a variety of reasons. So it's definitely something that I would go back and watch. That's a great compliment. I can pay it. I'll tell you a little story about when I took my husband to his first England women's game. It might have been his first women's game, actually, but it was in 2011. And we were thinking of going to Germany for the Women's World Cup that year. But I said to him, look, before we commit our precious money and holiday time to this trip to Germany, come and watch the England team, because you might think they're rubbish. You might think, what's she on about? You know, this lot are awful. And we went to a friendly that they played against the USA um, at Leighton Orient um, in about, it's about this time of year before the World Cup, one of their World Cup warm-up matches. And England was superb. And there was a spell in the first half where they just completely dominated in Boston. And they won the match. And when we came out of the ground, I said to my husband, I said, right, forget you talking to Jermaine Bloody Greer here, right? <laughs> Tell me honestly, what did you think? And he said to me, he said, that is the best performance my team in an England shirt I've seen in two decades. Wow. And he said, and we are going to Germany. And we did, and we loved it. Um, oh, so we're going to France that's actually going to be like goosebumps, honestly. <laughs> But yeah, like I say, I'm hoping to get over to France as well, and, and I think that's the thing. It it really it it is gonna it's got the potential to to really inspire both nations because I think yes, lots of people get yeah. behind it because we don't have a lot to celebrate, um, and you know the lionesses are just fantastic. And I find myself as a Scottish woman supporting England women, whereas there's there's, there's not a hope in hell I'd be doing that for the England men. But there's just something about that team that is just so so incredibly well, I think, like. I think you know. Fair place for men. I think last summer they were fantastic. Oh, they and, were. And yeah. They really were. Um, you know, so I'm not taking anything away from them. And I really enjoyed last summer's World Cup. It, you know, it, it was it was great. But but again, anyone thinking of going to France, my experience. I've only been to one Women's World Cup, and that was in Germany eight years ago. My experience is it's a fantastic tournament to go to because it's big enough to feel like a proper football tournament, a major sporting event, and the football is in superb quality. But it's kind of small and friendly still. It's small enough to be kind of friendly and manageable and, and all of that. So it's, it's, uh, if, if you're a fan of going to football tournaments, Women's World Cup is a brilliant one to go to. Get oh, yourself there, Lindsay. I'll, I'll, I'll see you there. England beats Scotland. I'm, 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 that's my plan. That is, that is the dream. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm working on it. And I think, just finally from me, can we talk a little bit about what if? because I loved yeah. that campaign yeah. and I was so happy to see that it's been shortlisted at the BT Sport Awards. So can can you just tell kind of our listeners what that was about, why it was so important? And I assume you're very happy to, that it's been shortlisted as well. Yeah, we are absolutely ecstatic. Um, uh, so let me tell you about What If. So anybody can go and look this up, hashtag What If on Twitter. It's a campaign that we launched last May and it was really a call to action. We wanted to encourage everyone, and I do mean everyone, to think about what action they could take which will help change the landscape for women working in the game. And the genius of what if is that whether you are, you know, a mum or a dad thinking about which football match to take your kids to this weekend, or whether you are a a global corporation like Barclays or a, a an enormous and powerful football authority like UEFA, you can pledge, you can give a meaningful what if pledge. Uh, so, so for your mum or dad, I mean, a classic one we had was what if this weekend, instead of taking my kids to the Premier League match, I took them to a Women's Super League match. Um, UEFA came on board and, and pledged what if we, UEFA, 
increased staff funding of women's and girls football by 50%. Fantastic. Um, so it, we were, it, it's been hugely popular. I think it's really touched a nerve and, and touched a chord. And I think that's because, and this is what we wanted it to be. It, it's not just about talking, although it, it has contributed to this debate and the discussions and the conversation which is rising around women uh, working in the game and playing the game. But it's about action. Everyone can do something, no matter how small, how big, to really change change the landscape. So, so go and have a think. If people want to think about what kind of what if pledge they could do, because everyone can do something, contact us. We've got some ideas. We've 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 got a, a, a almost like a menu of suggestions that people can have a look at and pick from. And um, it's a campaign that will continue to run. We think we're still getting pledges in now. Um, for instance, we're talking to one education provider about a bursary for. Uh, a, a, a sports course. Uh, we've got a fantastic book competition running at the moment. Uh, we, we've got, a, you know, it doesn't stop. It just it it keeps coming, which is which is marvellous. Um, so watch this space because there'll be more to come for for. So where this. can people find you if they want to look up kind of what women what women in football is doing? womeninfootball.co.uk at women in football on Twitter. We also, for anybody who's interested, one of the things we do on Twitter is that we um, publicise jobs in football. Uh, if they're all on our Twitter feed. Uh, we we any anything that we become aware of, like for instance, any club who um, tells us that they're recruiting for a position or anything we find for our own devices, we will tweet that. So if you're interested in working in football, follow us because all the jobs come up on our Twitter feed. Exciting. I already follow you, I was going to say, so I'll make sure to do that, but clearly I Brilliant, thank you indeed. That's, that's very <laughs> exciting. And moving forward, kind of anything exciting coming up? Anything we need we need to know about? Where's, where's Women in Football headed over the next few years? Well, I think we... Uh, we very much have this vision of a, prop, of a diverse football workforce um, in, in all roles and at all levels. And we're not there yet. Uh, and we will continue to do everything we can to get us there and to work with football to do that, to work with the industry to do that, to work with fans and people who are interested like yourself to do that. We will continue to offer um, some of our fantastic courses and personal de development opportunities to, to women working in the game. And we've got some plans on that, which will be uh, we think exciting and which we will be announcing uh, later on this year. Um, we'll continue to support and advocate. If you have a good news story about a woman in the game, let us know. If you have a story about a woman who's encountered discrimination in the game, let us know uh, because we can help. Um, so, yeah, onwards, upwards, uh, more what if, more women in football. Uh, and uh, we, we, all, we will know we've succeeded when there's no reason for there to be an organisation called Women in Football. That's a success. It's a strange organisation. It's like our success measure is we don't need to exist anymore. <laughs> Welcome back to part two of the pod. Let me introduce you to your panel. Back as my partner in crime, it's Twitter sensation, Jen. Jen, you good? Very good. Thank you. Yourself? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for coming back to join us. And we are each having a female sporting hero in this part. So hit us with yours. Can I have two? Absolutely. Please, 
Thank you. Because the first one, it's not a sports person, so to speak, but sports related. I'm going with Wendy Knight because she was quite the trailblazer in my eyes back in the day of being involved with sports, presenting, commentating, interviewing whilst not having a pair of testicles. And she was a lovely, lovely lady to boot. The 16, 17-year-old me very, very much looked to her, up to her in my Radio Rovers days. And then if you want actual sports person, um, sorry, but I'm going Fatima Ripbread because anyone that can get a joke in there on it about breaking wind in a pint of beer gets my boat. <laughs> Literally <laughs> the best reason to have somebody. And then we are welcoming three newbies to the panel tonight. So joining us, we've got Holly, Lucy and Millie. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. Holly, I'm coming to you first. Hit us up with your female sporting hero. Hello. Um, so mine is Dame Kelly Holmes. Um, when I was about 12, when she won uh, the double gold in the 2014 Olympics, and that definitely made an impact on me and my small impressionable brain. So, yeah, that's mine. Lucy, over to you. Hello. Um, so this question I found really, really tough to have a think about. Um, but I was really into tennis um, from about the age of seven. So during the 90s, it's got to be Steffi Graf for me. Just because I remember any time on TV watching tennis, she was there, nearly all the finals, and she's just so well decorated, just as a as a player, not even just female or male. Um, and then I think moving into sort of more recent, I've got to go for like uh, Laura Trot with the cycling because cycling's had such a big breakthrough. Um, I think we've become one of them gender balanced sports as well. Two great shouts, Millie. Can you top that? Well, in terms of heroes, I've never been a big one and heroes as such, but I've got definite admirations. Um, so I used to play a lot of football as a child myself in uh, local teams, and I always looked up to Rachel Yankee. Great. thought job. she was a brilliant footballer. But in terms of now, I think the work that Alex Scott does is brilliant. She's always up there, and she gives all the other pundits a good run for their money. She actually talks a lot of sense, and... She shuts Sunas up a lot of the time, so that'll do me. <laughs> Anyone that can do that's fine by us. Um, I'm having two as well, selfishly. So Young Lynn's liked Mia Hamm, loved Mia Hamm, because I was convinced I was going to get a scholarship to America and play football. Um, and we all know how well that worked out. And in my adult life, uh, Jessica Ennis-Hill, there's no other athlete or person like that in the world for me so i absolutely adore her um so thank you ladies for your sporting heroes and now we get into the good stuff talking about rovers so i think to set the scene for people listening we are recording the day after rotherham a game that we were all at for our sins um our man mowbray came out with this quote it was Groundhog Day, is the description I can think of. I'm sick of it. The supporters are sick of it, and I hope the players are sick of it. So our first topic, four wins in Jan. Nonsense. What's gone wrong? Millie, discuss. Well, my superstitions believe it's partly to do with myself, because uh, I spent the whole game away. It's the first game I've missed in a long time um, at Ewood Park, and I believe it's the best we've played all season or for many years to come I was in Seville watching them win and ever since neither team Seville or Blackburn have won a league game in terms of what's going wrong it's hard to pinpoint it I think it's a mixture between I think us missing Lenihan massively and then I think confidence that belief has gone and um, so once we took them two defeats 
coming back from that, we just don't seem to have picked ourselves back up off the floor. Lucy, agree? I agree with all that. And I think even with the superstition part, I think every game I've managed to get to home and away this season, I've not seen us win. Um, so you do start to think, you know, when we got to Rotherham yesterday, I was thinking maybe I should have stayed at home, you know, for all of us, for all our sakes. Um, but I think um, it's just this inconsistency. And I think like defensively wise, it's not quite working. I think we've conceded is about 50% of all our goals in the last 10 minutes so is it that we're tired is it you know a confidence thing is it that we've become into you know every game we know in that final 10 minutes we really struggle is it sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy but again I absolutely agree with Millie that Lenihan is a, a big miss yeah I think we're missing Lenihan as well Holly similar sort of views yeah, definitely. As well as the obvious defensive issues, which there, there clearly is. Um, we've had such a poor goal-scoring conversion rate at the minute. We just seem to not be able to score um, the goals that we should be scoring. When we see Graham and Dak miss like sitters, really, that they should be scoring, that's when it becomes more frustrating. You see a lot of teams in this league that do concede a lot of goals, but they're also scoring goals, so it offsets that a little bit. Like, you think about Norwich, who have had, I don't know how many games they've had that have been four or five goals each team. So it just becomes a bit like, we're not, we're not, ha- we're not having the luck on either end of the ball at the minute. It seems like we're not producing the goals that we need to be, but we're also letting in stupid, silly goals where confidence or um, just lapses of uh, judgment happens. And unfortunately, it just seems to be biting us in the bum at the minute. I mean, some quite strong comments from Mowbray yesterday. Some very strong comments. Jen, I'm bringing you in even though I said I wouldn't because I'm interested to know your take on what Mobe said yesterday. Well, we all say that we, we don't want the managers strolling out the platitudes of, oh, we gave it a right good go or we did the positives things. And and he, he came out and said we were bobbins. He did. Fair play to him. Yeah. So he called it exactly as we were all feeling it. Mm-hmm. and. Not just rockets up past his feet have gone past his hair dryers have been thrown and and they needed to be to be fair and hopefully it's the kick up the arse the lad's knee because I'm crapping myself about Preston. Me too. Yeah, like I'm almost at the point like I rung my dad after the game because he's agreed to come on Preston with me and I was like I don't think this is going to be pretty, you know at all. I can't. I don't see where we're going to get anything out of that, especially as the. You know, away fixture earlier this season was a 4-1 defeat, which I don't think anyone saw coming. I think they look really good at the minute as well. Is it nine? Is that, that undefeated yeah. said eight times now. It have scored. They, we've scored twice. Yeah, they just look really good. And I think the Preston game and the Wigan game are going to be either, I think, makers or breakers. Mm-hmm. They're either they're either going to set us on to sort of a really positive finish to the season, or it's just going to be a bit of a landslide downward trend. That's how it, I think because they're they're derbies as well in a loose term. Um, that they mean something to the fans. They mean something I think to the players as well. So I think it, it is going to I think it's going to be crucial to see how these next two games unfold. So I think we're all agreeing on that the defence isn't working. Um, do we know our best centre half pairing? I'm not sure that I do, and I'm not sure if it's just the centre backs that are the issue. It was interesting Mowbray's comments on Raya. Um, obviously, we played a back three. Do we like a back four? 
I haven't got the foggiest, to be honest. Jen, can you enlighten us any? I can't enlighten you, no, because <laughs> I don't have the foggiest either. But um, I'm a fan of a proper back four, of a flat back four. The back three, I can see the positives to it going forward, but it scares the bejesus out of me because we leave so many holes. So let's have a proper back four, but who those proper back four should be, I don't think Mowbray knows. Um, if I had to plump from what we've got now, because the gorgeous Mr Downing's no longer an option, when Lennon's fit, he has to be there. Absolutely has to be. Because um, he's a proper archetypal centre-back in my head. And then between Rodders and Mulgrew, we need Mulgrew's goals. So we need him there. And also those two, they complement each other. You've got the blood and thunder of Lenny and, and you've got the calm head most of the time of, of Mulgrew. So I think that's who you've got to go with there. But then the lads out wide, please can you put a tackle in rather than just backing off and backing off? Just stop him getting there and don't just watch as the bloody ball goes past you. <coughs> Bell. <laughs> so who would be your wide players in that defence, Jen? Nyambi for certain. And ah, I like Bell going forwards. It gives me the collie wobbles at the back. Mm-hmm. I think we were Stop saying it, something Bell. similar, weren't we, Lynn, yesterday? Like we, Bell looks brilliant going forward, but I, I'm scared when, when the ball is running down that wing. And he also, I think he's, he scared himself. He's scared to almost do something that someone's going to come behind him and run and run away with it kind of thing. I, I, he doesn't instill me with confidence at the back. And I think we also had the conversation yesterday, can you play Bell and Armour together? Because they both want to be running yeah. forward. They both want to be making similar kind of runs. Do you need Williams behind Armour to offer that tackle, that defensive kind of nature to let Armour do his thing? Because... For parts of the game yesterday, I felt Armour wasn't doing what Armour does because Bell was doing what Bell is actually doing quite well at the moment, but it didn't seem to be working, the two of them. Do you but have yeah, a centre-back pairing, so. Holly? Do you have a, a preference on who it would be? Uh, it's, I don't think it's a mixture of anyone that we've got right now. Um, I think it's something that we definitely need to look in the, uh, at the summer. Um, it's it's something that I think we've had an issue with for a long time and yes we've co- kind of had sort of stop gaps and fillers but it, I, I don't think we, we, we are where we need to be with it I think absolutely Lenehan for me is um, I think everyone can agree that he should be there and when, when he's not playing we definitely miss him um, but in terms of the other partner I'm, I'm not sold on Mulgrew or Rodwell at all. And I'm going to wait for people to be throwing abuse at me, but um, I'm I'm not sold. I don't think... With Rodwell, it's not his position. He's not the position that he's played throughout his whole career, so it's not necessarily going to be as natural to him as it probably we'd all hope it to be i mean he's looked he's looked okay i don't think he's looked bad but it's not you can tell that it's not his position naturally and Mulgrew, again the same i don't i think he makes some really really bad judgment calls sometimes that cost us the game um but when you've got him scoring three three goals straight from a corner you're like ah what do i do so yeah i'm not sure goal scorer for us is he on 10 yeah. now to Ducky and Graham's yeah. 11 can we do without yeah. those goals well, we shouldn't ha- we shouldn't have to have someone. I think we shouldn't be relying on 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 that 
that stat or that person getting those goals. I think Dak's got his own issues that he needs to sort out, that he should be scoring more goals for us. Luce, agree? Disagree? Yeah. No, I I agree. I think with Mulgrew, it's, it's a tough one. And I know a few of us were sort of debating this yesterday because you do need his goals. The fact that, you know, one of our defenders is you know, pretty much scored as many as Dak and Graham, who are our forward attacking players. That, to me, sums up a lot. And I think it sort of goes back to what Holly said before about, you know, we're not making most of the chances that we've got. And I think the problem is at the minute, you know, Mulgrew, I don't have every confidence in at the moment, but then you need him for those free kicks, those corners, and just to give us a chance of getting a goal at some point. Um, Obviously, he looked a lot stronger last year, but I feel like with Mulgrew, I think he has got what it takes. Is it more like a confidence thing? Is it a mentality thing at the moment? Um, But we can only speculate on that, I guess. And um, I guess with Bell, Bell's a funny one because I think the Middlesbrough game, when he came on, was it around half-time? To me, he, he, he sort of transformed the game down that side. But again, he's so attacked attacking-minded that I think you can't trust him in that de- that defensive role. And yesterday, it really didn't work with Armour, and I felt like we needed Armour more yesterday than we did Bell. One to sling in, then. Should the responsibility of the defence only fall on the back four? It's one of my pa's favourite lines, is defend from the front, attack from the back. I love your pa, Jen, so more than happy <laughs> to have that slung in. I think you can't fault Danny on his work rate his effort and his willing to defend. I wondered if this perhaps linked into a conversation I had today on Twitter around our best central midfield pairing as well, because I think before it's getting to the back four, who have we got there stopping it? Who have we got putting a tackle in? We've got some lovely flair players, but have we got people breaking that up? And Millie, I know you made a a quite interesting point about Smallwood earlier when we were talking. (laughs) controversial um yeah I think Smallwood is always willing whether it be right or wrong and late or not he is the only person that I ever really see giving it full hog and throwing in a tackle it's like I said on Twitter before if he played 10 years ago you'd all probably think he was brilliant but we just play such pretty passy football now where you can't touch anybody because they fall over at the gust of a wind and roll around that he unfortunately doesn't suit modern day football in my opinion but like you were saying about the midfielders I think in the Middlesbrough game Dak was our best defender he agreed actually yeah he played brilliantly defensively but to what sacrifice yeah it's a great it's a great point and I can remember I think Callum tweeted Bradley Dack was our best defender today. I never thought I'd tweet that. Um, And I think that was a view shared by a lot of people. And again, if we're not utilising Dack for what Dack should be doing, kind of what's the point in having him on the pitch, really, would would be my thoughts. Have you got any, Jen, obviously you threw the question in. What's your thoughts on defending from the front? Who do you think can be doing more? I think they can be doing well. If we get the ball further up the park and we keep it further up the park, then we're not as reliant on the back four not dropping rollocks, personally, in the same way that we want to drive the attack from the back with the likes of Bell down one side, Miami down the other, but also do it do it back to front and have a decent midfield pairing, which, sorry, Millie, Smallwood's not one of those in my book. No, that's fine. Who would you have in the midfield, Jem? Travis, without a shadow of a doubt, and Evans. 
that's my pick as well. Ladies? It's, I mean, it's a toughie, but I think I agree with the Smallwood. I don't think Smallwood's made that cup from League One to the Championship at all for me. And I think yesterday we had nothing going through the middle of that pitch at all. Um, I'm just trying to think who I'd have. Um, have we missed Evans? I, th- I sometimes struggle with Evans, but... I think maybe you're right on that. Like he can, I think he controls the middle um, better than Smallwood at the moment. Um, I don't know. I I just think at the moment we've got nothing through the middle. We're letting all the through balls, any balls going back into defence. We're just letting anything come in, and it's having that stopgap. But I think as well for me, if we're talking about midfield, it's on to Benno. And I never thought I'd ever say this. Um, but I'm not sure he should be starting. I, he didn't give me much confidence yesterday. Some of the he put a few good balls in, but some of them as well. He just needs to take that time to think a bit more and think about what he's doing. Some of them were just straight in, and it seemed really hard for uh, Graham and Dak to get onto. I don't know what anyone else thinks about Benno. I'd drop him too, and I know I never thought I'd say that at the beginning of the yeah. season. Yeah, I'd drop Benno. I'd have Reed there. I am a little <laughs> bit biased on that front, fair dues, but. <laughs> I, think, I know I, uh, I was saying for Smallwood, but just to throw it out there, Smallwood wouldn't be in my central midfield. I was just trying to say... Oh, I you dig yourself out the pit, dude. I, would, I, would, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Smallwood think was the right try, Like I said, he doesn't suit football nowadays. Yeah. I don't think he mm-hmm. does. And that's why I wouldn't have him. He was Seriously, right one football. Yesterday. The right call yesterday for me because of the type of game it was going to be. But the second he got that card, he needed to come off. And I think, Holly, you turned to me and said, if he doesn't come off, he's getting sent off. And my phone was pinging with people saying that. But I understand the initial selection, but he wouldn't be be in my pairing either. Would you drop Ben Holland? Yes, I would. Um, And I love Benno. And I say that with a really heavy heart because personally he's been fantastic to me and he's a wonderful professional. But he seems to be one of the first names on the team sheet. But I don't really know why and I don't really know where he fits. Nayambi is my picket right back all day long. But I want the Nayambi that is free, free to run, free to tackle, free to be himself. And I feel like since he's come back, he's restricted. And again, I don't know if that's because Benno is playing in front of him. So, yeah, Benno dropped for me and I would have Reed on the right. And I think I would have Evans because he compliments Trav and Trav excites me i didn't think trav had a great game yesterday but i think trav needs evans to be better so pick evans to compliment trav but that's just that's just my thoughts someone will disagree and we're about to get a lot of hate for slating elliot bennett so (laughs) just brace yourselves people it can come on at the end to give a fist bump when we win oh it will do that so on the subject of hate I have put this question in for me. Um, we're on to my favourite subject and what I get the most abuse about on Twitter, my beloved Ben Berriton. So my question to you guys is, how do you solve a problem like Ben Berriton? So we've got this £7 million, 19-year-old lad who barely gets a game and when he does, well, discuss. So where do we play him? Do we play him and how do we get the best out of him? Lucy, I'm throwing this over to you and remember you're my friend, so tread carefully. Okay. I think at the minute, like considering for the under-23s on Monday, he started scoring, I wonder if the best bet is just to keep him under-23s just for the moment and build that confidence up because I think the £7 million price tag on his head, 
and the fact that he hasn't sort of performed as what how we would have expected based on that price tag has not helped him out. And obviously on Twitter, there's a you know he's he's kind of like a love or hate um, kind of figure at the minute. So I wonder if keep him under 23, see if he can consistently get some goals, and then maybe bring him back as maybe like a super sub for a bit for the first team and see how that pans out. Would you bring him back this know. season? So if he's if he's in the twenty threes now, would he come back up at any point this season for you? I think if he yeah if he consistently is, he's playing well and scoring at the under three, under twenty threes level, I don't see why not because we're struggling for goals as well in the first team. But obviously with that, I don't know where necessarily you'd play him because you've got Graham up front, and we normally sort of tend to play Graham up front as a lone striker with either you know two behind him or three behind him, and I don't know whether. You can put Brereton maybe on the on the wing behind him. I'm not sure if that works. So is it that you know we've got to figure out how if we do bring him back, who do we get rid of? Where does he fit in? Because to be honest, I'm not 100% sure on that at all. Um, I think it's a bit like the defensive dilemma at the moment. You know who is our best pair and how does it work? And I think you know do any of us know what our best eleven is right now? Because I don't. I don't think Mowbray does. No. Nope. Millie, how are you going to solve a problem like Ben Berriton for me? For you. For me. For me. This needs sorting <laughs> out for me, to be honest. I can't keep doing it every Saturday. It's too emotional. It's a tough one, isn't it, to justify? Because we're in a, we're a club that hasn't had the luxury of spending really anything near that amount of money for, well, at all. And to bring in a player who he doesn't have the confidence in to play I mean you look at yesterday you know we've got 10 minutes to go we need an equaliser and he turns to Joe Nuttall not the man that he spent seven million pounds on so that's a difficult one but equally and it's been playing on my mind ever since I nearly got flattened at Preston when Brierton equalised of which was a perfectly legal goal which was ruled out for offside if that had stood and he'd got us that you know, that gave, was it the equaliser or the goal that put us in the lead? I can't quite remember. How much would that have done for his confidence and would we be having this conversation now? Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great, great point. Jen? I think he just needs to get in the gym. Yeah. And he just come he's stronger. some strength. He needs to be stronger. He's just a bit of a pushover at the minute. It was the last home match that he was playing that if somebody had farted near him, he'd have fallen over. <laughs> um. I think we've got to give him time. We need to. I know it's difficult to say forget the price tag, but it's not his fault that he's done. He needs time. You need to let Mowbray do stuff with him. You need to stop Mowbray playing him on the wing because that's doing naffle for his confidence because the lad's not a winger. The lad's never going to be a winger as long as I have a hole in my bottom. That lad's not a winger. But I truly believe he'll come good. Yeah. I really He's one for so. next season. I think it's interesting picking up on that he needs to play kind of up front because obviously I went on Monday because that's what you do when you stalk a young 19-year-old who someone thought was my son. We'll just gloss over that. (laughs) Um, And he played behind Nuttall. So even in the 23s, he didn't play in the position that necessarily Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to play. Nuttall was up front and then Chapman, Butterworth and... Barrow played kind of interchangeably behind him but I think for me my message was it was the Bereton that we wanted to see I'm forever hearing he shies away he doesn't want the ball he doesn't communicate he doesn't make runs he did all of that um but to try and be non-biased he should have had four 
Um, the assist that they gave him was never an assist. It was a scuffed shot and he missed an open net. So there is work still to be done. But I agree. I think that price tag is weighing very, very heavily on him. And I'm just not sure at the moment he quite knows what to do with it. But I also think, does he need to go to the gym? Because he's a tall, lanky lad. If we bulk him up, does he lose other parts of his game? I, I don't know enough about the human body, to be honest. It's not just Peter Crouch any harm to be a tall, lanky lad scoring goals, has it? He also doesn't fall over with a gust of wind as such. He's also married and to, to Abby Clancy, wind, which, you know, is winning Right, life. so we've got Seth Verriton up with the supermodel and we've cracked it. Mrs. Yeah? Verriton <laughs> is very attractive, I'd just like to say. Any stalking of his Instagram will tell you that Mrs. Verriton is very attractive. And then I think we need to come on to our boss, our main man. So our forum did a poll on Mowbray, which I saw that the Rovers chat boys also put on last night and it went down like a lead balloon. Um, so I think the discussion was is he still the right man for the job? So I think it's really important that we discuss that and answer that and sort of know. For me, it's a yes, but I'm really interested to know your guys' take on it. So Holly, Mowbray, still the right man for the job? Absolutely. I, it baffles me, the amount of people that are calling for him to leave. I had an argument with my twin brother earlier on today because he said, oh, if it was anyone else, then he'd be gone. And it's like, just just calm down. I think at the beginning of the season, I think we overachieved and we achieved better than we kind of hoped we would. And I think that's kind of got us a bit excited. Um, when actually this season, for me personally, and I think for a lot of other people, was all about consolidation. It was about making sure that we didn't slap back, that we didn't slip back down, that we um, built from what we had um, to go ahead for the next seasons to come. I think if you asked me at the beginning of the season, I would have said that I would have been happy with anywhere between sort of. 11th and 15th if we were going to finish anywhere I would have taken anywhere uh, between that um, happily um, when I think 17th at the minute but when you look at the points difference between the, the sort of the us and the teams that are above us it's very very close um, and I think we need to just all settle down and just let Mowbray have the summer um, to sort of get the right players that we we need um, and I think we need to be looking sort of playoffs next season. Do you have the confidence he can get the right players obviously with the money spent on Berrington yes. do you think he's the man to spend the money we've got? I, I do I do um, I think he's the first manager that we've had in a long time that's actually managed to get any money which surely says something um, and I think in terms of Brereton he's one for the future for me he's not the finished article he's very much a confidence player and that'll come um, so I have every confidence that Mowbray is the right person I think people like playing for Mowbray um, there's a, a definitely a great morale in the club that we've not had for a long time um, and I think that shows in the players that we have um, and um, just the feeling about the club that we've had. And I don't think we've had the, this feeling that we've had last season and this season for a long, long, long time. So I, I hold my hands up and uh, sort of thank the Lord for Tony Mowbray right now. <laughs> Jen, I'm so excited to hear your answer on this. this the Holly's nicked all ready. my lines. No, Holly's nicked them all. All no, every single don't one. Be. Gone. Basically, what what Holly said um, is he the right man for the job? Yeah. What do we want from the season? 
just to stay up, if we're perfectly honest. Those chucking the toys out saying we should be challenging from a playoff place, have have a chuffing world with yourself, please. And remember the last six, seven years of absolute chuffing hell that we've been through. What did you yep. predict, Jen, on the first pod? What position? <laughs> with my positive pants on, um, my heart said <laughs> eighth, my head said twelfth. I'll take anything that involves staying up. I was tenth, if we're perfectly honest. I think, so I split your two. Yeah, I think I was tenth. I was either tenth or thirteenth. Yeah. Plus, he's got a long-term plan, and so you've you've got to let him have that time to put it stuff's already coming to fruition I think he realises he's dropped a couple of ups and daisies with having maybe too much faith in some of the lads that got us back up Smallwood for, for one and this isn't going to be a Jen Killing Smallwood pod, it isn't I promise but I think he's he's realising that I'd, I would be very surprised if Smallwood starts for the next couple of matches, there are a couple of others that I think will be dropped because of it as well and other ones that will come in. And who's he going to bring in in the summer? I desperately, desperately want him to bring in a midfielder that can score a goal. I miss midfielders that score goals. Me too. They're great midfielders that score goals. Because we can't just rely on what could be called the God Squad with Graham and Dak, even though I don't know what the O stands for. But <laughs> We need a goal-scoring it... midfielder that begins with O. Someone needs to be Googling this. That's who we need to sign. That's it. That's what we need to do. Um, but we we need to build in the summer. We need to strengthen the team to give us a push. Should we be aiming for the playoffs next season? Yes. Should we be gutted if we don't get it? No. Um, if we just miss out on the playoffs next season, I'll still be a happy bunny because we're moving in the right direction from the dearth of hell that we've been in. And what Mowbray's done, both, like Holly said, on and off the pitch, the morale thing, the feelings back, the family, the community, da 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 That's because of Mowbray. I am inclined to agree. Millie's the man for you? Like, all of the above. Uh, 100% the man for me. Um, he's done a brilliant job, as said, on and off the pitch. You only need to look at the likes of Chapman and Armstrong that he's brought back. One of the main reasons they've both said that they've come back is to play under this manager. That's got to stand for a lot of what he has to hold in the dressing room for those players to bring out the best in them. And if they believe that, then that will hopefully, not recently, but transpire onto the pitch. In terms of where we are this season, like I did not expect playoffs. I think people got, like you said, too carried away. And like Jen said, if we don't get it next season, I'm not really that bothered. I'm quite happy where we are with what we've got. A bit of stability. That's all I'm asking for. And all these people that are, you know, losing the head, you know, we've lost five in six, it's disgraceful. Well, how do they think it's gonna fare? You know, we get to the playoffs, only one team goes up. Say that is us on the off chance. Do we wanna be the Huddersfield that loses every game, only wins three games, you give up your Saturdays to go and watch us lose? I'm quite content with where we are and what we're doing. Oh, the sense is just unreal. Luce, do you agree? Yeah, like all of the above. Absolutely what everyone said. I think stability is the key thing. You know, we haven't had that for a long time. 
Um, and I think this is a guy that's going to build a team, you know, season after season. If we if we let him, if we give him that choice. And I think um, there's one key thing that I've loved about Mowbray. And it's when we got relegated or just before we got relegated from the championship. I'm sure he said something to the players um, before they went out to a game along the lines of, you know, we're fighting to keep people in jobs. And I think he just gets it. He gets the club. He gets the town. He gets the fans. Um, and he gets the players, and I think the team spirit we had last year was just phenomenal, and I think we'd all agree we were on an absolute high as as a set of fans last season. And I think, yeah, maybe, Kay, we've overachieved in the first half, and maybe that's why people's expectations have maybe changed, and they think, you know, you know, why are we where we are now? But for me, this season, I was happy with anything other than relegation because this is a hard league. It's a competitive league. And you've got teams such as like your Derby, your Leeds, your Norwiches, you know, that have been there for a long time, that have built up budgets, have built up teams. And I think it's just something we need to emulate. I mean, look at Sheffield United. For me, they're a team I want us to emulate. They'd been in League One for, what, six years. Um, they've got a manager who's local to Sheffield. Um, they've got a lot of young players similar to how we have and it's about building and look where they are now I mean I don't necessarily think we'd emulate sort of third or fourth next season but I mean I'd be happy with anything from 12 next season to be honest and I think we just need to be really honest that losing is part of the game perhaps we as a set of fans have forgotten how to lose we had such a ball last year and it was brilliant but we will lose and it's just part and parcel of what we're going to have to do Um, and I think for me you know travel all over mad times getting in you know ridiculousness but I do it for the odd time that we are going to play really really well or we do smash someone or you know Craig Conway does come on and score an 80th minute screamer and actually it would be boring if there wasn't kind of positives negatives and everything in between and and for me there's no doubt he's the man to take us forward so if we were voting in the poll, we're to Team Mowbray. This is what we're saying, girls, yeah? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Fab, excellent. So I can't remember who referenced Chapman there, but somebody did. So Harry is back. The star man is back. So my final question to end on a high is, which other former Rovers player currently playing would you want back in the squad? Tom Kearney. <sighs> Without a shadow of a doubt, Ooh, someone chance. in that midfield sort it out. He would resolve our problems. I feel I miss him so much. What you know, he scored some great goals for us, and I think he'd give that play down the middle and feed the forward lines and the wingers. And I think it's what we're really missing at the moment. That's pistol of my own. I was going to say any, <laughs> any advances on Kearney? I can't I, advance I it. I had two. Oh, sorry. Go on. <laughs> oh no, you go. I was going to say, I've had two that have been umming and ahhing, so oh, my two are going, taking it back, Stephen and Zonzi. I was going to say that as well. Well done. Good shout. Yeah, so another midfielder. Or, given the state of our defence at the moment, Grant Hanley. Thank God you didn't say God Shane Duffy. Pay. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Never, never that. Fabulous. No, Grant Hanley as well. But, ooh, if I'm going to take a punt... I'll go with Enzonzi. I have a list. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a few. <laughs> Shopping yeah. list. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? A swear um, list. <laughs> all that, yeah. Um, I think Enzonzi, what he's done um, after he's left us um, has been absolutely brilliant. And I think, n- I don't really think anyone expected um, him because I don't think he was 
brilliant for us. Um, but what he did afterwards, it's like, wow, that was the same player that we had. Uh, can you come back and do that, please? Um, I also, um, this is more of, um, I, I kind of think he left too soon. Mine's Conor Mahoney. Um, I think he was blinded by the big lights um, of a Premier League cl- club coming for him. Um, and I think he's playing for Birmingham now. Um, and I, I think I'd have him back as well. He was top of my list, dude. Yeah, yeah you played so well against us the other week as well. So that's and he's great. just oh. he's just starting to, to play regularly for Birmingham now. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, I, I'd, I'd have him back in a heartbeat. I think you suit Millbrae style as well. Yeah, me too. Can we have a shout out for DLAP as well and say Martin Olsen? Yes. 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 He'll be so Absolutely. happy he's got a mention. DLAP, not Olsen, <laughs> to be clear. He'll be thrilled. <laughs> Another idea, also because of our defensive woes, is Phil Jones, but the version that we had at Rovers before yes. United broke him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's just a bit of a meme now. He just, like, yeah. <laughs> he pulls some amazing faces, though. He does. <laughs> he is a Gurner professional. <laughs> but I agree. I think he was. He had sh- showed such promise with us. Um, obviously left to go to Man United, and he's kind of just been a bit broken. Anyone else on your list, Jan, or have we covered them all? There's a very obvious one. That you might call Jason. Oh, Jason was one of my two. Yes, of course. Yeah, I would have Jason back in a heartbeat. The the only player I've ever cried about leaving is our Jace. Do you want to explain to people who don't understand that you call Jordan Rose? Oh, okay. <laughs> so basically, I thought you were talking about Jason Lowe. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> or Jason Roberts. So the, the story is, I was on holiday in Mexico. We were meant to be selling Jordan Rhodes. I ended up getting sunburn on one half of my face because I was desperately checking whether he was going or not. He went, I cried. And then when he came on from Middlesbrough, the first time when they announced him, they announced him as Jason Rhodes. And I was... I I remember so that. Furious I, I really, yeah. Because not only had that. I cried, you can't even be bothered to say his name right. So I now refer to him as Jason, and at least once every time I sort of say something, Jason, someone goes, "You do know it's Jordan," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, that thanks." I do. Yeah, I do. It, it's a joke. Clearly, it's not funny. So yeah, Jason was top of mind. But then, if we're talking, if we're talking Jason, what are our thoughts on maybe someone like a Rudy Gestad get a pair of him back? Oh, I'm not sold on Rudy. No, I don't I, like I don't players that tell the fans to cat. F off. They're not for me, which is what he did at Newport, allegedly, in oh. case anyone's listening, allegedly told his own fans to F off at Newport. So, no, it's a no for Rudy for me. I, I just think he's a bit lazy. Um, he doesn't really go after the ball. He's just kind of tall, and if you kick it at him, he might get something. But, <laughs> yeah, not not sold on Rudy. So we're bringing back Jason. I've lost track. Jason, Tom. Connor. Connor. And Zonzi. And Zonzi. D- Martin for Delap. Grant Hanley. And the Gurner. And the Gurner. The, the professional Gurner. <laughs> so we're bringing back seven. What, do we think they'd get into the team? All of them now? Nope. No. Premier League Northern winners, two years running. Lancashire Challenge Cup winners, four years running currently 13 points clear at the top of the table with two games in hand. These stats are impressive in any setting, but these stats belong to our very own Rovers ladies. 
I'd never been to a Rovers ladies game before, nor had 85% of the people who responded to my Twitter poll, which posed that very question. So on a freezing Thursday night, having been down to Reading to watch the lads the night before, I decided to head up north and watch the women. The ladies were taking on Fylde and I got to see goalkeeper Danny Hill come out of retirement and make her comeback. I was really impressed by the quality and have a new favourite to join Craig Conway and Dara Lenehan in the form of Tasha Fenton, who was absolutely superb. It was a comfortable 3-0 win, a hat-trick from Saffron Jordan within the first 30 minutes, the difference between the two sides. After the match, I was fortunate enough to sit down and chat to the gaffer, Gemma Donnelly, who started off explaining to me just how good her side are. 11 points, I think, clear. Mm-hmm. Last year, nine points clear. So we're, we're clearly pretty consistent yep. and, and pretty good. This year, we're halfway through the season, or just over halfway through the season, and we're 11 points clear before you know before the end of the season yeah and we've got a game in hand on that as well so we're pretty good okay um, so for people like me that don't follow it regularly if we finish top again why are we not stepping well, up a league <laughs> um because there's been all sorts of uh, changes with the 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 fa and shifting the uh, requirements to get into it okay. so we've been to a national playoff for the last two seasons where the north and south have a playoff to determine the overall champions and then that team are promoted so okay. first year we lost against tottenham they're now in the championship last year we lost against charlton they're now in the championship okay this year it's automatic promotion for both the north and the south so Fabulous. if we win it this year we should go up. Okay. But um, it also depends on the application. So, of course, you're stepping into uh, semi-pro football. Yeah. So there's a whole load of things that you've got to um, conform to. So for the girls that I've watched tonight, are they yep. working normal nine-to-five jobs and paying football on yeah, the side? Yeah, combination, really. They're okay. Saying, they, don't, they don't get paid to play football. They're all volunteers. Right, okay. So that's one thing. That's one thing I didn't know um, and I've learned. They, they they train for five six hours a week. Wow! Travel over to Blackburn area. Okay. Um, do did the women train at Brockhall or no? Uh, they don't. They have done in the past. Okay. But, um, it, it's just easier to, to use our own venues. Yeah. The club uh, financially uh, support it one hundred percent. Okay. So you know that's 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 really important. I think to, to say that. Yeah. Um, but no, they train twice a week, two and a half hours session. They make. Would they come from all over? Manchester, Liverpool. Yeah, there was some accents on display tonight. Cumbria, all over. Have we got any Rovers fans in the um, team? Is anyone a Rovers fan? Rovers fans. Let me think. The younger girls, because uh, the, the devs develop development team, um, they're more localized. Yeah, I of think. course. And I think that there's a few Rovers fans in there. Um, I, couldn't tell you if the season but yeah I was hours. I was surprised at the variety of accents on display yeah. tonight a lot of scouts yeah but um, the captain she's been here for over a 10 year spell I mean, wow. she went off in between to City Liverpool but came back In terms of the the players themselves, I think even though we haven't paid them, we look after them so well. Yeah. The club are so supportive. You know, they really um, 
we're really embedded into the football club. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm a female, I always want more. So I'm of always, course. I'm always asking yeah. them. But they're, they're, they are fantastic with us. Okay. Um, you know, I, I work full time for the club. Yeah. And then, you know, I've got uh, 101 staff uh, to cater for their every need. Um, and uh, do we have staff specifically for the women? Yes. It's not, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but again, we're, we're completely, you know, for, for things if there's like training days happening at the academy or with the, the, the first team, the STC, you know, we're all invited to attend yeah. things like that. Um, and then, you know, in terms of operate the operations uh, for the, the ladies section, um, everybody at the club is on board. So, okay. um, Steve Wagner, it's hugely... Um, I've met him at a couple of away games and yeah. he's very, very likeable. Yeah, he's lovely, Steve. And, and approachable, which I yeah, think yeah. as a fan is very nice to actually see someone with that level of importance yeah, in the club I like Steve. mingling. Um, I've been at I've been at the club fifteen years and I've seen a lot of you've changes. Seen, yeah, you've seen it all then. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, I like Steve. I like how it's how it's operating. Currently. Yeah, um, there seems to be you know some 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 real clear direction there, and yeah, uh, I think that really helps in terms of obviously it's easy to say we want to get back to the Premier Premiership. Yeah. It's just about how we get there. Yeah, how we we've do got that. to be a work in progress. Yeah. But I think whilst they're on that journey, um, you know, they're still supporting the success story, which is Blackburn Rovers ladies. Yes. So I always like them to to, to get on board with that as well. And yeah. you guys did the lap of honour at the end of the season, yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I think they wanted to demonstrate all the success stories that sometimes yeah. the fans don't get to see, you know what's going on in the academy yep. and the under-23s and the 18s and blah, 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 community, the walking football. Yep. Loads going on. Um, so, yeah, we did all, we did a flap of honour. And rightly so as well. The girls have been fantastic. Absolutely. You know. So what do you think What do you think puts people off coming down? Um, and I suppose what can, what can we do to try and get you some more bums on seats? Because yeah. as I say, what I've seen tonight, I've loved. And that's not me being biased because it... There was a part of me going, these girls are living my dream when I was little. This is what I dreamt of doing. But it was good football. I think, the, first and foremost, you need to not compare it to male football. Yes. Because it's, it, it brings different qualities yep. within the ladies' game. It's, it's slower, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would suggest that, you know, it's a lot more technical. Yeah. Um, and you can get closer, as you said, closer to the... The, the pitch and the and and, he, and hearing what's going yeah, on. I loved that. Um, That's probably my favourite thing of yeah. the night, to be honest. Um, that and the second goal celebration, obviously, <laughs> which was fantastic. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the, the the issue is with getting people down. I mean, we it's promoted at the games, the the uh, Rovers at Ewood. Yeah. It's promoted on the big screen. It's promoted in the program. Uh, you can always do more. Of course, you can. Yeah. Um, but what that more is I'm, I'm not sure so I guess as I said people need to know who the players are first yes. then once you've got an affiliation to the player I think then you want to go and see what they do and then you see what they do and then you like what you see and yep. then you keep coming back um, but we're, we're slowly building I think Rovers are the highest we, we get the highest attendances for, oh, okay. for, for our league yep. so that's a positive but 
I want to keep pushing. And yeah. these these girls deserve it. I they think. do, absolutely. They, they just, and have yeah. you in? Obviously, you said you've been in the game for a long time. Are you seeing progress? Obviously, at the moment, it's very topical with the pundits and kind of the criticism they're receiving. Are we further forward than when when you first? Yeah. I think so, and I think that, again, the profile is, is completely different now yeah. to what I, um, when I first got into the game. Um, but again, there's room for improvement, and it's again, it's this profile, it's driving the profile, but what we've got coming up, the, the World Cup, the European... Yeah. Uh, the, the World Cup, the... the um, I'm off to the World Cup. I'm very excited. Oh yeah. Yes, I'm France. Scottish. Yep. So off to off, off to watch Scotland ladies. Um, there's two, two other. There's there's three lots of big competition happening yep. over the next three, three or four years. And again, if we have if we have any sort of success, I understand it's got to cascade down from the national yep. team, and um, because there was huge. Um, uh, interest yep. following the um, was it four million or something for the for the semi final I think is that, for, is I'm that, sure it was, was yeah it, is that what it was but uh, you know I I was sat up watching it to organise what and I thought we did fantastic but it's just about raising the profile and then as I say it'll cascade down yeah you know we've got some players in and around here not um, the the tech ten. She's been a, a, an England under-23s player. She was my favourite. Yeah, yeah fell, <laughs> fell a little bit in love with her, followed her on Twitter while I was watching. Uh, Shep, the captain, she's been a, a former a, a Northern Irish international. Oh, wow, OK. Um, we've got... Oh, there's just an array of number six. She's played at the highest highest level. Yeah. Um, uh, and the, even the goalkeeper who's, 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 who's come back... Just re-signed. Um, just re-signed. In in her heyday, she she's played World Cup, European, That's Champions amazing. League. Uh, we've got a Champions League winner in midfield. It's just, it's just a and again, it's rank. getting those stories yeah. out there, isn't it? I would Absolutely imagine rank. the vast majority of Ravers fans have no idea we've yeah. got a Champions League winning midfielder in our it's, lineup. The, 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 she's won more accolades than I think you know than 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 I could I could think of in terms of uh, you know. But the the good thing for me is she's here, but um, and I'm talking I'm talking Jess Holbrook for this particular one. But she's you know she's she's played she's played European football. She's played and she's been a youth international. She's uh, won the Super League one with Liverpool twice. Then Man City snapped her up and she went over to City. And after six months of being in City or there and thereabouts, she she decided it's not for me. And then we. You know, whatever sort of contractual uh, situation she was on there, she was like, "I'm not. I don't want to do it." Wow! And, and then we got we we reaped the benefits of that, if you like. And she's been here for the last four years. That's crazy. You can't imagine a comparable kind of situation in the male game no. for that to happen. I, I suppose it sounds a bit ridiculous, but at the end of the day, she she she's just such a fantastic footballer. She, she was chose, quality and loving it. It was yeah. very obvious how much she was enjoying playing. Chose Rovers to come and play to come and play. She's still what is she twenty five, twenty six? Going to say she got, didn't. She doesn't look old enough yeah. to have done half of what you've just said. Just she's think, done. Oh, I tell you who. One of the one of the other midfielders uh, playing alongside Shep. She's gone all the way through our academy or our regional talent club. So this is a really good point. The academy is obviously a category one. Yep. 
And um, is that for the male and female so in side? The, in the female side, we're class, classed in tiers. Okay. And uh, we're a tier one, and there's only 11 in the country. Oh, wow. So again, something I didn't constantly, know. Constantly, uh, and again, it's the, 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 the club that make a huge investment towards that to, to producing our own. So there's probably, on the top of my head, within that squad, and the girls on the bench as well, so at the 17. We've probably had five or six that we've produced ourselves. Wow. Um, and obviously the scouts are here tonight having a little look yep, as I saw well. Yeah, so. I saw a few people having a look. So yeah, we're, you know, we're, it's all those little things that perhaps so people don't if, know about. If and when we're promoted, when, <laughs> yeah, when. Will, will we be able to offer the girls more? Does it become, when we when we are promoted? Yeah, can, it's a it's a semi-pro lead, yep. at league, should I say. Um, and in order to be able to compete with the best, so Man United are currently in there, yep. the top, Tottenham, Charlton, the teams that we've lost to, but they're all top half the table. Wow! So I'm absolutely convinced that we can be, and you know, we can be up there. Yeah. Um, I think we'll we'll have to invest. Uh, that's not down to me. That's down to the club and yep. Mr. Waggett, uh, and of course the owners. Um, but I'll leave that in their very capable hands. Um, but I think. But that support is there. It's it's been it's been there, and you know, uh, it's been there throughout the the owners uh, since the owners have, have, have taken over. Which again so is interesting. Yes, that is massively. And I bet that, you know that's that's not sort of banded no. about. Um, so I'm hoping that will continue, and I hope they'll take that last push to sort of get us in the in the league that I believe that we deserve to be in. Yeah. Driving back from the ladies, I was absolutely buzzing. It's the first time in a long time I can remember ringing people from my car saying how much I'd enjoyed a game of football. You feel incredibly close to the action and you can hear every word that the players are saying. It's what my dad would call proper football. It was also so heartening to see the players stop at the end for autographs and for selfies with young fans, something we just don't get to see in the men's game. I'd 100% go back to watch the women, not because they're women, but because the standard of football was fantastic. These women are a massive part of our club, bringing continuous success. Promotion looks likely, if not inevitable, and I'm so excited to see what this group of women can do next season with a bit more investment against stronger opposition. The future looks incredibly bright for our Rovers ladies. So welcome back to the final part of the pod. So far we've heard from women working in the game and women who play the game. But what about us, female fans of the game? More men, right, stop. More women than ever play football and follow football, but have attitudes to female fans changed over the years? How is our love of Rovers received by friends, family and strangers alike? And do we feel comfortable on the terraces? This for me is the reason I wanted to do the pod. It came from a Twitter conversation that me and Jen and one of Jen's friends had. Um, and she does a similar pod for a, a rival team of ours and expressed that she isn't always received particularly well um, as a female doing that. And that's not something that we had experienced. So the idea of the pod came from there. I then one Saturday morning spent quite a bit of my time arguing with folk on Twitter about Alex Scott and her recent experiences. And Luce, this was something that you got involved with and backed me up on as well so your thoughts 
Yeah, no, I think it's a really important thing that I think it was, was it Jake Humphreys who, who brought it up? Yeah. And I, I think it's a really valid point they had. You know, if we were talking about racism in the game, it'd be such a bigger thing, I think, publicly. Um, and I think the points we brought were, you know, for me, I've, you know, I've, my mum and dad love sport. All my friends and family have never batted an eyelid that I, you know, I like football. But I think it's when you meet people that you don't know, like strangers or friends of friends, you just tend to get more questions as if, like, I've always felt that I've had to be more knowledgeable. I've got to know everything. I've got to know every stat, you know, every, you know, every ground, absolutely everything to sort of be taken seriously sometimes. Because uh, at uni, um, a lot of the time I'd go to watch games with some of my male mates that were from home and a lot of their friends had questioned me a lot about, you know, why did I like football? Do I go on the games? You know, am I a glory supporter? And I think sometimes you've got to, you know, I had that pressure or maybe I put that pressure on myself to almost, you know, go above and beyond to almost be validated by people I didn't know to, to know everything. When 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 you don't, you know, even, you know, we'll all have opinions. They're not necessarily right or wrong. And again, you know, why is it that, you know, football's a game, why is it that it's got to be separated by gender? And I just don't, I struggle to understand why there's such a big issue with female pundits, especially ones that have played professionally at top level for a long, long time. So I think it's even like, um, is it Rachel uh, Brown even said, you know, it's not women's football, it's just football. If somebody knows what they're talking about, you know, let them have a go at it. Um, and you know, even with Alex Scott that we've mentioned, you know, she's doing a great job, yet despite all that, she's getting heavily criticised. I mean, all the female pundits are. Um, and I just think it's such a shame. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Rachel Finnis-Brown said it best, if your gender isn't your qualification. For me, it's who can go and who can talk about the game most effectively in terms of a pundit. I'm not bothered who it is. I just want to hear an opinion from somebody who is knowledgeable. Um, and I think for us as fans, we just, you know, what we didn't want this pod to be was a kind of man-hating piece because it isn't my love of the game comes from my dad and my brother my rovers experience is shared with predominantly men i mean i stood with you guys yesterday and that's the first time in a long time i've been surrounded by a group of girls there's usually a couple of girls and and quite a lot of lads but i have a really positive experience following rovers but similarly I find I have to explain it quite a bit. People look at me quite weirdly. They're like, what do you mean you spend every Saturday randomly traveling the country? But a lot of that comes from females as well. Actually, the males in yeah. my life get it. And I, a, a work colleague recently told me she didn't think it was particularly feminine that I went to the football. <laughs> and I sort of said to her, but I'm not particularly feminine. So what did you imagine that I was going to be doing? So I think as well as women, we've got a responsibility to each other to support each other in in what we do and, and not be judgy if my friends want to go shopping and I want to go rovers it's brilliant and Holly I know your love of rovers comes from your mum who if anyone hasn't met Holly's mum is an absolute legend um so tell us about yeah mom. um so I grew up my mum was a single parent there's me and my brother twins 
absolute nightmare to be brought up but yeah um she worked at ewood park when we were growing up um so as a steward in the darwin end so she used to sneak us in for free (laughs) and basically get all the stewards to look after us whilst we were there um but that's probably where it started but i've always loved sport um i've always been a bit of a tomboy um that's kind of grown into a bit more of a feminine person as i've aged so i like a bit of makeup and stuff like that now but when i was younger i was definitely always with the lads always playing football and for me um I, I never felt like out of place playing football or um stopped or like like why are you playing football you're a girl kind of thing I might have been the only one playing football with the lads but I was still doing it like the lads sort of accepted me as I was um and actually I think in my in my primary school um I think we were the first uh, um year group to sort of start our own girls football club um which was led by me and my mates because we always played football with the lads and they were like oh there's more of what there's more of you let's start a team um and I think um I've I've there's all of my family are Blackburn fans there's probably varying degrees of how uh, sort of steadfastly they're followed or they support them um but it's something that it's always been supported and accepted in my community uh, I mean I've moved away so I don't love it I, li- I don't live in Blackburn anymore I haven't lived in Blackburn since about since I was about seven years old so I've moved and lived in different places and a lot of it is like oh you're a Blackburn fan why are you a Blackburn fan and it's actually like because I'm proud of where I'm from and I wouldn't support anyone else um and then that's kind of it end of conversation um I think in terms of um feeling pressured to sort of know stuff and feel like I'm knowledgeable about things definitely don't feel that in football um from my friends or the people that I know I've have had it in another sport because I'm an American football fan as well and I've had it on that side of things but not with football um I think it's definitely changed um sort of in in the in the public eye and in the media um we are seeing more women sort of punditry commentating um uh, like it's not like oh uh, she doesn't know the offside rule or anything like that anymore where it used to be quite do you know the offside rule and it's actually it's not it's not a difficult rule to understand guys <laughs> like do you know what i mean <laughs> it's not that hard <laughs> so you either it, it's just yeah so for me my my football sort of life um and upbringing has been a, a relatively positive one and something that I wouldn't change for the world does it matter to us to see more women to see more to see the lionesses you know they were on last night to see female pundits are we bothered do do we care yeah i think it it's more more just so it's just because we're women doesn't mean that we don't know a sport or don't like a sport or are allowed to like a sport. Um, and I think if, like um, you said earlier, uh, both you and Lucy, like if, you, if you're good at something, then why would you not be able to do it professionally? And whether that's playing or talking about it, like the analysis or the punditry, like if you're good at it, then have at it. Who would you rather have a pundit, Alex Scott or Danny Murphy? Case closed. Alex Scott, absolutely. <laughs> when Danny Murphy becomes the benchmark, God help <laughs> Millie, you played, oh, so right? Yes, I did. Um, in school, played for my football team at high school, broke my arm as a consequence. But, you know, you get up and carry on. And I even remember the time I broke my arm. 
my teacher said, you know, come on, get up, um, carry on playing. I said, sir, I cannot move my arm off the pitch. And he said, we can't have broken it, you're not crying. And I said, I can assure you now, <laughs> something's not right. Anyway, I rocked up in school the next day with my arm in a cast and I was like, see, sir, I wasn't joking. But, um, yeah, like many of you said, my uh, girl mates are probably the people who always find it a bit more of a joke. So it's always like, are you coming out with us on Saturday or are you being a footy lass again? And it's a bit of an ongoing joke. But uh, similarly to Holly, I was born in Blackburn but moved to Nottingham for 11 years. So everyone was always questioning more why I supported Blackburn rather than being phased by the fact that I was a girl supporting Blackburn. Um, but it is all that I have ever known. So I've never really experienced any negativities. My friends now, who are mostly P and E fans, they'll always ask how the game was, and I get the same amount of grief as I would do if I was a male Rovers fan because they know I have the knowledge to stick it to them back. So that's always fun. But um, I guess I've never really questioned it either because my mum was such a committed fan, and you're talking like about 30 years ago when obviously times were even more different. So she always said, like, in 1980, she was the only female of a group of 13 who went to a hostile Millwall ground with a police escort. And she was the only girl there. And I think she said she was about 15. Go Millwall. And all these coach trips that she used to go on as a youngster was how she met my stepdad. So he clearly wasn't phased by the crazy uh, female Blackburn fan. (laughs) So... No, it's good. But I don't know, I think you make a great point that I think one of the biggest questions I always get is, why Blackburn? And I'd never thought to have ever questioned that in my life because they're my team. And maybe that's a bigger issue rather than you're a female. You know, people don't see why we'd support them. And I think that's the most ridiculous thing ever, obviously, from a very biased (laughs) perspective. But I've had more flat for the team I support than the fact I have a pair of breasticles supporting them. Because yeah, of where yeah. we've lived, I've lived in Bristol, and then obviously I went to high school in Nelson, so I was surrounded by six finger people. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Facebook. The fact that there is a Facebook because that that's monumentally come back to haunt me because it was during the always in our shadow years that I was bouncing through that, and then did sixth form in Blackburn, so I had two years. But then Preston, and then Harrow, and then all over. The flack I've got is for the team. It's not because of my girl. And I think yeah, it's so because of that. We've discussed before, Jen, as well. Like, I think sometimes, sometimes it's a positive discrimination. Maybe. I mean, I've never had any grief about being female. Perhaps we get away with a little bit more. I don't know. And actually, in our fan base, there are so many positive females. There are so many knowledgeable females. I'd like to include all of us in that. But there are many, many other women. <laughs> I don't include. Oh, I'm including you all. But there are many, many other women that follow Rovers. And I I often say to people, it's actually quite a strong female fan base. And I think we're very lucky to have the women around us that we do. And equally, I don't even notice that the women, they're just fellow Rovers fans. I'm I'm not bothered. If you're all mad enough to do what we do, you're all welcome, to be honest. Maybe we get a hat tip, another one back to Wendy Knight in this, because when Radio Rovers was set up way back when, which ages me because I was helping them out way back when but it wasn't questioned why is there a woman asking the questions why the, why is there a woman doing some of the commentary why is there a woman re- reading the team news out it wasn't an issue whereas there's now this big whole hoo-ha about the Alex Scott and the other guys but Wendy was doing it 20 odd years ago and we never questioned it then it, maybe it's a 
big round of applause to Rovers fans, apart from the pellets that throw all the toys out when we lose a football match, which is obviously a terribly shocking thing that never, ever happens to everybody else. <laughs> but there are more good guys than bad guys in our fan base, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've never felt, you know, intimidated or out of place at Ewood or even any of our away games. I feel like we've got such a good community spirit as a fan base. Um, and you can just see that on Twitter. And also the fact that we're doing this pod, you know, that we sort of met up yesterday at the Rotherham game, all got together and, and we've decided to do this. Yeah, I've done many away games where I've been on my own and I've never felt any sort of I've never felt anything other than part of a massive family that support this football team and that will cry if we lose and win uh, scream and cheer if we win so and I think what we've also got is we've got a really positive female football team in Rovers ladies as well and obviously yeah absolutely you know, we spoke to Gemma yeah. earlier and I went to my first game but I really think that is something that is so huge. These women are absolutely smashing it and will continue to smash it. Yeah. And, and we get to look up to them as well as the boys. And I think we're, we're so fortunate to, to have that. And that the club wants to fund them equally, you know, wants to give them equal training facilities, had them at Ewood last year for the kind of pitch side celebration. Again, that, there was no difference. They don't see it as any different. It's just football. And I love that. And I think that's the, that's the point. Like, I, I think sometimes we... we where we always lean to making it oh look we've got a woman actually it doesn't matter like we're all fans or we're all players if it's a sport it's a support it's a sport we don't need to make a massive song and dance to be seen to be doing something I think we need to get better at just doing it and it just being the norm with that, it's time to bring this very special edition of the BRFCS podcast to a close. Myself and the girls would like to dedicate this International Women's Day special to the oldest member of our Rovers girl squad, Clara Aspen, who passed away recently aged 103. Without meaning to sound like a cheesy Oscars speech, I just want to say some quick thank yous to everybody that has supported us to get this pod up and running. Thank you so much to the girls for coming on as panellists and for Jane Purden for giving up her valuable time to speak to us about women in football. Most of all, thank you to our amazing Rovers ladies and their gaffer, Gemma Donnelly, for allowing me to go and watch a game and access to speak to them afterwards. If you guys take one thing away from this pod, it would be my message to get down and support the girls. It's free for season two ticket holders and we've got 10,000 of those so just imagine if every season ticket holder committed to one game watching the ladies it would be phenomenal you'll get to see some amazing football and anybody that doesn't enjoy it can have a beer on me happy international women's day everyone sports social podcast network it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.